Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the LMTP Low Man on the Totem Pole podcast. We are your tough love work friends, talking you through your workplace woes and spurring you on to your own personal career highlights reel. I'm your co-host, corporate trainer, thriving in the hive, Katie McDonald, and here is your host, coaching and development consultant, author of Low Man on the Totem Pole, Stop Begging for a Promotion, Start Selling Your Genius, and she is thriving, driving, and jiving, Heather MacArthur. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this is my favorite topic. I'm so glad we're doing this today. Me too. Welcome to the show. Uh, as always, we are walking listeners through strategies, attitude changes, and actions that put you in the driver's seat of your own career advancement. And most importantly, we're helping you understand what a successful, meaningful career looks like for you. And I'm really excited. Uh, Heather kicked this option over a little while ago. We are thrilled to be talking about surviving versus thriving, getting out of just getting by mode and living your best life Oprah style. I can't wait. (laughs) Yes, we're so Oprah level. I love it. (laughs) Oh, okay. Are we officially Oprah level? Can I give people Um, cars? Is this where we are? (laughs) I, I think I think spiritually, I think we are at the level. Spiritually, we're giving out cars left and right. Okay. Yeah. I, I, be, I believe we are. <laughs> so I have so many questions. I was so jazzed when you uh, threw this topic over the fence to say, let's talk about uh, surviving versus thriving. And I have so many questions. Starting, <laughs> starting with the basics. <laughs> um. What are we talking about with the difference between surviving and thriving? How do I know which mode I am in? What, do I, what am I looking to recognize? Yeah, you know, I, 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 it, this hit me because I was taking jobs and I just realized, you know, the majority of the time when I took a job was how much does it pay? Is it going to help me, you know, pay my bills? Is it something that I think I can do that they'll hire me for? And can I, can I make it in the environment? And it was all about surviving like is that something I think I could survive and at some point in my career I was at a fork in the road and I was getting uh, two different job offers and one was very familiar to me but it was definitely a survival environment and the other one was potentially this amazing situation but I'm like well I don't know and I thought you know what I'm going to gamble and I'm just going to trust that this is going to be this thing where maybe I could thrive and it really turned out to be that way you know I was working with people who I was learning a lot from, they were very supportive. It wasn't this situation where every time I left a meeting, I had to, you know, navigate a bunch of 
you know, passive aggressiveness or anything. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is as I was doing the job, I had worked at this company before and then I was coming back for a second time. The first time was definitely survival mode. This time I was working with different people and I was getting to do the things that I wanted. And I, I really, they got so much more out of me and I got so much energy back. So that thriving thing is you're doing stuff that you want and you're getting energy back from what you're doing. Surviving situation is very draining. You're working in jobs that you don't enjoy. You took the job because you had to. Being, you're not able to pay your bills. You're constantly focused on you know living paycheck to paycheck. All those types of things equal a survival mode. And it's very stressful on you. It's very fear-based. And look, at certain times in my life, I don't think I could have gotten out of survival mode. I had to eke out an existence and pay for things. But at some point, I had to start to go, can, can I'm so used to surviving. Can I even give myself permission to think about what thriving would look like? And that was huge. Okay, so uh, this is perfect because now I have a trillion more questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, thriving then really sounds like it's a matter. I mean, you were you were explaining in the, the fork in the road that you found yourself in, there was one where you could look down the barrel of that road. That's a mixed metaphor. You could look <laughs> down that road uh, and see this wasn't going to make me happy, but it was going to pay the bills. And the other one was something you had dipped your toe in before, but you knew for a fact you'd be dealing with different people. Is the thriving situation contingent on the other people you'll be working with? Is it contingent on the work you'll be doing? Like, are we looking for outside external forces to dictate what is thriving versus surviving? Or is there something that, for instance, if I find myself in a job that I'm finding unfulfilling right now, and I don't have necessarily a fork in the road, new job on the horizon, is there something I can do to change my mindset right now to change from surviving to thriving? Yeah, it absolutely, I mean, it starts with mindset and it is you just deciding that you get to have what you want. Like I, it's such an interesting, for me, it was a very interesting switch. I didn't realize how much I had told myself, you don't get to have what you want, so don't even go there. And, you know, as a kid, if you're, you know, you go to three-year-olds and four-year-olds, they don't realize they can't have what they want, which is part of the reason <laughs> it's a nightmare to deal with. But <laughs> Don't mind me. I'm such a, a kid-oriented person, really. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, there's this whole, like, you just, I, well, what do you mean? I'll ask Santa Claus for whatever because why can't I have it? And then as as we're kind of being raised and life is showing us and people around us are telling us, no, you don't have what you want, we kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater. We go to this whole point of, like, I never get to have what I want and there's no point in even thinking about it. And it's funny, I work with adults now where I'm like, what would hurt with you just kind of writing down an ideal scenario for you? No one has to know you did it. Why don't you look at jobs and just look at descriptions and pull out the descriptions that just feel ideal? And and people kind of go, well, I'm not going to do that because I'm not going to, I'm not ready to take a new job. And I'm like, no, 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 we're just daydreaming here. And you're giving your brain permission to want. Mm -hmm. And if, you, but if you're not clear as to what you want, you're not going to know it when it's coming down the pike and you're not going to have standards around it. So what I realized is my standards were always, can it pay the bills and can I somehow navigate the politics of the situation and not get fired? But I had never sat back and, what, and thought, well, what do I want? So when I, before I took this new job, I didn't know what it was going to be. And so I, I sat down, I'm like, well, what do I want it to be? Now, I'm not saying like, is it the secret? Are you manifesting things? I just, I do think there's a power behind being clear on what you want, and it invites your brain to look for that and match things up to it. And you notice things, 
that you didn't notice before because you weren't even allowing yourself to look at it. Deciding what that actually is that you want to do. There's so many people that are passive about the work that they do. Well, my manager, this is all my manager comes to me for. Well, if you knew what you wanted to do and what you were up to, you would be communicating it to other people of like, I'd love to help with this. Uh, Here's an idea I'm thinking about. And you'd be inviting them in to do that with you. And I do think if you're in a job that you're unhappy with, if you're, you know, even if you're in a situation like, Heather, I can't quit my job, then okay, don't quit your job. But spend 10 minutes fantasizing about what would be ideal. What does it look like? What do you do every day? Where would you live? What would your manager be doing? What does the company culture feel like? Like there's no one can stop you from daydreaming, but there's so many people who won't even go to that level, won't even entertain the thought. And that's what I'd say is the first step. And, and you know, your circumstances have nothing to do with that. That's just allowing yourself to fantasize. That falls right in line with something that I happen to be, uh, training and coaching uh, in my current role right now, which is kind of the uh, victimhood versus empowerment spectrum. Mm. I think a lot of the, the the surviving versus thriving kind of sits right on top of that same uh, spectrum, the way you're describing it. If you are in everything just happens to me mode, and all I have to do is make sure that I navigate this being thrown at me and that being thrown at me so that I don't get fired that feels a lot more like some of the victimhood conversations that I'm having uh, with a lot of the people uh, going through this coaching. Whereas the empowerment side of the spectrum allows you to daydream and allows you to pinpoint, okay, so some of what I'm daydreaming about could be realized secret style. We're going full Oprah, like we said, (laughs) right? Um, Could be, it could be actualized, could be happening around me. It maybe I'm not, you know, driving up in the Porsche, but I could have a supervisor or a manager that is more receptive to the ideas that I'm throwing out. And that could be the manager that I have now if I speak up. Yeah. And, you know, what you're talking about is uh, we probably mentioned it in, in other podcasts um, is what they call, you know, are you operating from an internal or external locus of control? And mm-hmm. I first came across those terms in a Cosmo magazine. Um <laughs> In all my my high highbrow reading, but it was what I've discovered as I've used this in coaching and as I've kind of examined, you know, what makes the difference. How do we get into either mode? Is that if external locus of control, it's a very passive way of living. It's very much I'm static. I'm not going anywhere. Um, everything's coming in at me, and I'm basically treading water, surviving hoping that what I get is a life raft or hoping that the ocean is calm. And when there the ocean isn't calm and there's not a life raft, I'm I'm in danger of not surviving. But everything's coming in at me. And, I, you know, people will describe it as I'm lucky or I'm unlucky. That person's mm-hmm. lucky. I'm not lucky. The internal locus of control, you absolutely you're going after that you're passionate about because it is what causes you to move. And the external circumstances don't necessarily change. You you might still have rough seas. You might not have a life raft. But if you are determined to get to that island, whatever that island happens to be, then you're, you invite your brain to be creative on your half. And, you know, if your brain is told it's not that obstacle is not a dead end, your brain is told I need to figure out how to get over that obstacle because we're headed to that island. And the brain goes, sure, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And it'll start to be creative and thoughtful about, well, how do I navigate this? How do I make this better for me? So to me, if that fantasizing part is so critical because you're imagining what island you want to get to and how how much you want it, 
So the more you fantasize about it, the more the brain goes, I got to deliver this for you. And if Hmm. no one's bringing it to you, let me come up with ways that you can either create it for yourself and let me help and, and let me help you make decisions and set standards that ensures that this happens for you. So I don't, you know, it might be like, I'm going to be in this, I'm going to work in a really kind of friendly environment. And maybe your brain goes, okay, I'm going to stop being offended by every little thing that people do. Maybe I won't take it as personal. Or, you know what, to hell with this. This place kind of sucks. I'm out of here. I am going to go find something different. And then with an external locus of control uh, is you tell your brain, look, there's nothing we can do. Just try to survive this and tread water. So your brain goes, how do I help you tolerate the situation? So that's how we get stuck. And we, the more we feel like we can't control the outside environment, the more depressed we get. Because humans want to know that they can affect change around them. So a big part of it is send your brain on a mission to be creative and curious on your behalf. But you have to tell your brain that you 100% believe something's possible. So when you, when you allow yourself to fantasize, it, it basically gives the brain something to yearn for, something to, to go after. And by giving yourself permission to fantasize, you're also saying you believe something's possible. And people don't get just how powerful that is in terms of results that you'll see because it just requires the brain to do different things on your behalf. There's so much we have control over simply by telling our brains to do things we actually want them to do versus what we think we have to tolerate. Your brain wants to give you that dopamine hit, but you have to meet it halfway. Yes, absolutely. That's a good one. I like it. I like it. Drug, drug reference. Excellent. You or, know, I'm hormone, picking up on your drug reference. references. Yeah. Hormone <laughs> reference. There you I go. I drugs. Whatever. <laughs> that actually leads me down another line of conversation that I've had with uh, a lot of friends and colleagues recently. Is there anything wrong with just quote unquote, surviving at work, if I'm thriving in other areas of my life, I volunteer on the weekends with a charity or a cause that's very important to me. I have a rich uh, social life. I have a loving family or a loving group of friends around me. Everything else fulfills me. Just my, uh, my career is sucking wind. Does that change anything? Is that all right? I mean, it, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, is work doing for you what you wanted it to do. And if what you want it to do is give you a paycheck and that's what it does and there's nothing more to it, then you're going to be satisfied. Just like, look, I don't have kids. And I, that was through years of just not making the decision to have kids. And I don't feel unsatisfied with my life because I wasn't sitting there going, I want my family life to be something different. I have stepkids now and that's about, probably about the amount of family that I can handle. And <laughs> And, but if I was sitting there and going, but I really want, I, I wanted in this lifetime to have the experience of having kids on my own, then the family, I'm not allowing myself to, to, to want that. And I'm telling myself to just deal with it. And I'm going to be unsatisfied. Same thing goes for work. If you want your career, if you feel like your career is supposed to be more connected to your purpose in life and all those types of things, and it needs to be more than a paycheck, then no, you're not allowing yourself to want what you want. But if you go, it's just not my thing. Like as long as I got a paycheck and some vacation time, I'm cool. Then guess what? You're wanting what you want and your yearning and your, your risk taking and all that might line itself up with, you know, you take these kind of real daredevil vacations. Like it's as long as it's aligning up with what you authentically want, then yeah, other things don't always have to, you don't have to be hitting cylinders on everything. And I, I rarely find someone who desperately wants this really high quality family life and ability to really explore nature 
and is also like, why isn't my career really skyrocketing right now? <laughs> like, it just doesn't. And then I don't see people who are like, oh, my God, my career and everything that I do is so, so fulfilling for me. And then it's like, oh, I'm not getting enough quality time. You know, I, I, I need my, my friendships to really elevate my world. They don't. That doesn't mean that they don't need them. And it doesn't mean that I don't need my family. I, 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 I'm so grateful to have friends and family that are so loving. If, I ha- if my career is in the tanker and I'm not feeling like it's feeding my brain and my creativity, then my family members don't really get a good version of me. But I've gone through moments in life where it's my job and I'm single and I haven't seen my friends in a while and I'm still enjoying life because that aligns with kind of, you know, I, can't, I couldn't do that long term. But it's, it's not the same effect. And I think this, this goes back to the conversation we had about what's your pop. If you know what your purpose on the planet is and you know how things need to align to support that, your purpose on the planet is to be a good family member, then your family time and everything takes priority. And the job probably should serve as more of a, a paycheck. Or if you're like, I want job and work both. I mean, family and job. See how Freudian that is. For me. Um, <laughs> if I want my family, but I also want a skyrocketing career, it's like, okay, well then prioritize the timeline on that. You know, you got babies, let's invest two years. Know that you're investing two years or maybe three years to really focus on the family. And then know that after that, the next chapter is going to be really launching into your career, or you're going to wait until your kids are old enough and they're 18 and they're on their own. And then you're going to launch into your career. You know, there's nothing wrong with placing the, the bricks in a certain timing and order. So you get what you want. The point is, are you still giving yourself permission that what you want and telling yourself that you can have it? It's just a matter of figuring out what that looks like for you. It's when people don't give themselves permission, go like, well, I can't have that. I've, I got kids, so I'm, I, I can't focus on my career. Then what happens is we start to blame other people and get resentful because we are the ones telling ourselves we don't get to have that. And you've kind of, on some level, whether you're admitting it to yourself or not, you've made an external locus of control out of, well, somebody else's decisions enabled or uh, meant that I couldn't have kids or that I couldn't have a career or whatever that is. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. There's people out there that I think, you know, like physically things show up. So if someone physically can't have their own kids. Um, but then they're the ones that say that, you know, like, well, then adopting a kid is out of the question or. Um, you know, having stepkids or whatever it might be mm-hmm. is where the ones that go, that's not going to, that's not going to be possible. And I can't possibly, I go back to the more you let yourself yearn for things, the more um, you start to uncover what is it that the thing is, is supposed to deliver for you. So like, even if I say like, oh, I really want to be in a job where I have all kinds of time for travel. Well, like, you know, if I allow myself to yearn for that, what is it that travel was supposed to give me? oh, I want to see the world and I want to be able to feel free. Well, then maybe what I start is because that's so important to me, I start making decisions that really set me up to feel more free, that set me up to feel like I'm connecting with the world. The end of the day, the tangible stuff is really not what we're after. We're after the feeling, Mm -hmm. the connection, and there's a million different ways that that can get created. And so when you yearn for it, you also invite your brain to go, if something's not giving it, or if we don't have access to it, go look for something that will give us access to that or at least get us closer to it. So one of the things that I'm hearing in the trade-off, the external versus internal locus of control, and also just kind of the uh, the, the trade-off prioritization, the, the pop that we're talking about, is that it sounds like thriving involves a modicum of risk. Is it inherent if you are going to commit to trying to thrive in your career or elsewhere in your life that you've got to 
dream big and take a little bit of a chance? Well, here's the thing is people just call it risk because they're caught up on if I admit to people that I want this and I don't get it, are they going to make fun of me or judge me? Like hmm. you're, you're kind of creating risk that doesn't exist. You know, yeah, going into the unknown, I, I took a new job and I didn't know what was going to happen, but I, I trusted that my brain would figure it out for me. And I just tell myself, I trust that if this is not the right circumstance, I will figure out what to do about that. So there's a level of just, you know, the unknown, but you're already, you're always operating in the unknown. When people go like, oh, I don't like risk. It's like, Every day is risk, you know, really every day I could, I could, you know, I turn my curling iron on and it could set on fire. Like who knows what actually happens. We kind of lie to ourselves and go, this feels predictable. So I think I actually have more control than I do. My whole thing is like anything's a risk. So you might as well go after the crap you want. And then if it doesn't pay out, then it was worth the gamble because you tend to get so much just by the act of going after what you want, because you're saying to yourself, I'm worth it. And I trust myself. And I, I know that whatever comes out of this, I will navigate my way through this, even if there's a hardship. It's not about guarantees. It's about, you know, do you believe that you're worthy? Do you believe that you are resourceful? And, you know, you will, you will figure this out. So this whole thing of like, oh, it seems so risky. Well, that's just because the only reason this is a risk is somebody told you you weren't supposed to want this. Or somebody told you this was too hard to get. You know, I always wanted to write. My mom would be like, people don't make a living as a writer. Well, okay, maybe you don't know anyone who makes a living as a writer. But there's actually plenty of people who make a living as a writer. Mm -hmm. But I bought into that. So then when I wanted to write a book, it was like, oh, well, you know, who do you think you are? And what are you doing? And this is going to be a waste of time. And it's just a bunch of crap. It's not any riskier. I've done definitely risky stuff in my career. The only reason this felt high stakes for me is because someone told me not to do it. And I bought that. That completely plays into the uh, empowering spectrum that uh, I've been dealing with in my coaching, too, which is being empowered by whatever that chance that you take or that, uh, you know, the opportunity that you leap at, whatever it yields. If it yields something that is not exactly what you wanted, that doesn't mean it's a failure. So the risk is, like you said, it's kind of being created in your own head because you end up learning a lesson from it. You understand that that's a closed door and you're going to go towards a, an open door. There's always something to take away from that opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, look, this is my life philosophy, but I, I look back at my life and when someone asks me, what's the proudest moments that I've had? It's moments where my gut said, turn left or right. And I followed that gut. And even if that, that led me to mistakes, it also led me to elevate. It led me to learn. And don't get me wrong. I've been in some dark, dark places because of decisions that I've made that didn't work out as I had hoped. But in those scenarios, I look back and I'm like, the thing is, though, is I trusted myself. And I still got out of that. And I still learned a lot out of it. And it still made me who I am. But when I did things because other people said it was the right thing to do, whether it worked out or not, it always just felt like I was kind of just wussing out on life. Like I really wasn't following what I knew was I was meant to do. And there was a time before when I, when I decided to go into consulting, it was 2011. And I started to say, this is going to be my year of yes. And if, if my instincts say, you know, turn left or right, I'm going to start doing that. Mainly because I think I'm trying to teach myself something. And it doesn't mean that everything turned out rosy, but I went on the adventure that felt like my adventure versus I'm on this lane that everybody else has told me is my lane. And yeah, you, you know, you can decide, you know, what level of the unknown can you handle without losing it? And I, you know, there's that little level of how much is my ego making me take unnecessary risks uh, or un go into unnecessary unknown factors. 
it's like I don't drive down the street with a blindfold on. That doesn't seem like the smartest <laughs> level of like unknown factor. Like I've got my glasses on. I'm looking both ways. But that doesn't mean that I sit in my garage and go, it's just too scary to drive out in that world. Who knows what might happen? Like there, you have to figure out what's that level of going out into the unknown and how do you set yourself up to make it as comfortable as possible for you? Do you need to do research before you do something? When I quit my job and went into consulting, I, you know, I did. I was partnering with the firm, uh, executive advisory, and that gave me a little bit of what I call a stuntman's pillow. I was still out on my own. No one's paying me a paycheck. But I wasn't out there just by myself. There were people that I could look to and turn to. I learned from the first time when I was out on my own, even though I made money, even though I never really was in a situation where people weren't booking me, the experience was just too stressful. I realized I need to have some connection with people. But being an employee felt too confined. Now, other people are like, being an employee is just fine. Like, there's no... There's no wrong or right here. It's what sets you up to be truest to yourself as possible and trust yourself. You know, most things don't turn into the way that we expect them to go. Well, how do I get the most out of this? How do I be open to what I'm learning, but also be open to if my brain's saying, I've been here a month. It's not where we need to be. Get up and leave. Even though people are saying it shouldn't, you shouldn't get up and leave after a month. Like, you know, shouldn't get up and leave after five years. Like, who knows? Everybody has their own, you know, you're the only one that at 105, you're going to go back on your life. And you're going to decide whether or not it was worth it. And yes, other people might think that you're this amazing person. But at 105 and you're in the hospital bed, I guarantee you, you're not going to care as much about what other people thought and a whole lot about, are you comfortable with how you're leaving things? Right. And all the times that you uh, trusted your gut and followed, yeah. uh, followed what you actually wanted and, where, and explored where that led you. So thriving is gut-based. All right. I'll buy that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love that as a takeaway. I think that's, this has given me a really good perspective on what it means to, to really kind of change the mindset into a thriving mindset and be prepared both to want and to listen to, to listen to your gut and to listen to your inner self to see where that wanting is leading you and where it guides you in the circumstance you find yourself in. Yeah, and I would just throw out there, it's like if people are afraid to, you know, I think sometimes people go, oh, listening to your gut, that that's, you know, you're just going to be reactive or whatever. And like, you know, to me, there's, the gut is, it's more of, are you tuned into this inner compass? You have an inner compass, that inner thought that says, this is right for you, this is wrong for you. And when people go like, oh, well, I, I need to know more facts and data, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, if that's what works for you, go get it. But I just, you know, you're listening to other people's guts all the time, the whole like, oh, this is the smart thing to do, or this is the wrong time to do that. They're all gut call. Everything's a gut call. Mm -hmm. Because you can say, here's all the data. All that data is based on the past. You can't get data from the future. You only get data from the past. And so by all means, look at it, learn from your past. But creating the future requires imagination. And if you're not willing to allow yourself to imagine what you want, then you will always be reacting to other people's decisions. Oof. External versus internal locus of control. I love it. Brought it all the way back. <laughs> yep. um, I think that is a great place uh, to leave it. I feel like I'm thriving on this uh, advice and direction. I want to uh, I want to leave this in a good place, but I also want to uh, send out the call to hear from you, LMT peers. Uh, if LMT peers, I'm cutting that out. That sounds gross. Limiters. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I just realized that. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Why do you have to cut it out though? We might want to leave it in. That's a good warning to people. <laughs> okay. If you've got, if you've gotten here and you heard me call you an LMTP or uh, <laughs> that, that brings us uh, straight back to uh, following your gut, following your gut to, uh, <laughs> To send us in a question, uh, where are you thriving? Do you feel like you're surviving? What is the mindset that's driving your story? What What is your gut telling you to do at this crossroads? If you have a story you want to share with us or a question about anything that we've talked about on the show, or if you just want to hear us uh, discuss something that you haven't heard us talk about before that's on your mind, or you want to tell us what you think of the podcast, tweet us at LMTP Consulting. Message us on Instagram, low man on the totem pole, all one word, or email us at lmtppodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We're looking forward to thriving with you in the next few episodes. See you next month. Bye. Bye. All right. Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.